You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. All this talk about Portland and the ongoing protests, the protests that happened for like 150 nights in a row, whatever it was, 120, 83, who knows? It was a lot, right? You just kept hearing about that and you're like, Portland, huh? And the rest of the nation's like, huh, where's Portland again? Upper left, US, kind of by Seattle, Oregon-ish. Don't really know where that is, but man, they are doing some protest work up there, right? Portland's always been kind of a a hotbed for activist activity, for direct protest actions. What we're doing today is we're talking about that. Surprised about the Portland protests? You don't know Portland. This is part of COIN uh, television, media. There is Portland Dying um, investigative series that doing they're doing this week, and I'm covering each one. This one's about kind of the history of Portland's protesting, reimagining, rethinking, that whole deal, right? Okay, let's get into it. Before we do, if you're new here, my name is Sean Reynolds. I'm a real estate guy. I own two real estate companies, just side hustles, but I read the news. It's what people want me to do, so I'm going to do it. All right, let's get into it. The public expression of objection, otherwise known as a protest, it's woven into the very fabric of Portland's culture. After George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis in May of 2020, Portlanders took to the streets every day for weeks that stretched into months and months and months, and the message was not clear. I threw that part in myself. They captured the nation's attention even during a pandemic because it was wildly out of control and they broke the the law a lot. I added that too. Shortly after Derek Chauvin was convicted of the murder, George's brother Rodney Floyd acknowledged the Portland protests for keeping the issue of racial injustice in the national consciousness. Now, all right, here's where this kind of goes sideways. I was down in Portland and I witnessed some of the protests. Not a lot of talk about racial injustice. No, there really wasn't. You'd occasionally have somebody holding up a flag, but it was just a lot of, you know, tearing down statues, burning things up, destroying public restrooms, defacing federal buildings, trying to light federal buildings on fire, taking federal buildings, fences, newly erected fences down, um, paintball, uh, shooting a paint gun at a security camera, just a lot of that a lot of that. It was a lot of that. The racial protests, not much of that. And you watch any of the footage, you watch my footage. There's not a lot of racial injustice going on there. It's just basically a bunch of destruction. That's what was going on. So you've got this narrative and you think the protests in Portland are that. I didn't see much of that. That wasn't really there right? And if you look at the protests now, you'll be like, what, what, what are they protesting? You know, they're kind of anti-cop, they're kind of anti-everybody. Uh, what's the message here? Oh, well, the message is that if you slam a hammer into glass, it will break. That is the message. That's the resounding message of the tinkling glass going tickle, 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 tickle. Yeah. That's the message that I get is, oh, glass must be bad because they're breaking it. I would like to thank all the advocates, the activists, said Rodney Floyd. I'd like to thank the people who stayed in these streets marching night and day. People in Portland stayed in the streets for 83 days. Yes, they did, but they weren't necessarily marching for racial injustice. They they just weren't. That wasn't what was going on. A little bit of that was, 
but I, I, I think a lot of people who weren't there are under the understanding that this was a racial injustice thing. And yeah, a tiny little bit, but for the most part, not really. I think I may be wrong. Yeah, you were. But ever, but thankful for everyone who stayed out there making a statement for us and carrying us during our dark days. Now, no issues with protesting if you're peacefully doing it on the sidewalk where you should be, not in the street. Um, no issue with that. It's when you break any of the laws that are meant to kind of keep society going normally. That's when I'm like, mm, yeah, mm, I'm a no go. Smashing out glass businesses. Mm, no, that's, that's, that's not on my list of okay. Activist Cameron Witten was a leader in the Occupy Portland movement of 2011, protesting excesses on Wall Street. The occupation lasted 39 days before police finally broke it up. Remember Occupy Wall Street? We had the largest physical occupation in the entire country, Witten recalled. A year later, he staged a 55-day hunger strike outside Portland City Hall to bring attention to homelessness issues. Witten went on to found the Black Resilience Fund shortly after Floyd's murder. This was not the first time that we heard, I can't breathe. This is not the first time we saw a black man's life slowly stolen away on camera, he said. Witten has been a part of nearly every major peaceful protest in Portland for nearly a decade. Peaceful. Well, what about the non-peaceful ones? That's where I was. That's what I was at. It was not peaceful. Portland has always had a history and a legacy of grassroots direct actions. So if you were surprised about Portland during these protests, you don't know Portland, he said. I see it as one of the greatest strengths that people care so much that they're willing to get out of their houses, get off of their couches, and show up for something collectively for a unified voice. All right, let's, let's break this down. Portlanders are not getting out of their houses. People are coming from all over to go to these protests. And they're mainly white kids. They're white, angry, disenfranchised kids. And it's not a racial protest issue. It's not a racial protest message. It's just basically anarchy, right? That's, that's kind of what we're talking about. Talking about. So getting off their couches and show up for something collectively for a unified voice? No, that's uh, I'm not seeing that happen. I think that ship has long sailed. The beginning of the pandemic, the beginning of the whole George Floyd thing, yeah, you had some of that. But for the most part, I've kind of gone wildly off track here. Former President George H.W. Bush once called Portland Little Beirut during anti-war protests in the 1990s, comparing Portland to the bombed-out capital city of Lebanon in the Middle East. And so literally what we have now, Portland, is businesses leaving. You've got boarded up storefronts. You've got businesses. I've done podcasts on this, talked about it. Businesses been in there 30, 40 years. Yeah, all this activism going on. This isn't a safe environment. You've got homelessness that is rampant and the city's trying to figure out what to do. You've got drug addiction. You've got mental health care issues just overrunning downtown. That is what they're doing. And so you might, you might point to this, you know, uh, whatever protests and say, oh, look at this, look at it. Hey, there's a flip side to that. And it is not pretty. It, the, the rest of folks are just like, uh, what are you guys doing? This is not good. We're leaving. And, and better yet, we're not coming to Portland. That is the major message that is being heard loud and clear. Portland is a no-go. Don't even drive through it on your way to the coast. Don't. Because it's so messed up. Why would you? But you have to. 
I-5 goes that way. In 1970, Oregon Governor Tom McCall sponsored a music festival called Vortex to distract protesters away from an American Legion convention in downtown Portland. It mostly worked. Hey, you guys want to go protest? Or, hey, here's some tickets. Here's a little doobie. You guys go do your thing. Have fun. Take it easy. But those protests over there, eh, I don't know. Go to the music festival. It'll be awesome. I mean, who doesn't want to go to a music festival in 1970? That must have been fun. I would have loved to have known who was there. I should probably look at that. Just see who was there. Was there anybody notable at the Vortex Music Festival that Oregon Governor Tom McCall put together in 1970? I know it costs money. It shouldn't be done, but the whole alternative is the possibility of bloodshed, McCall said at the time. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I shouldn't be putting together this festival, but it's what we're doing. We're going to do some music instead of all that other nonsense over there. And that's nonsense to him because he was like, ah, we're doing a concert instead. Still, Portland has seen its share of violent protests from May Day riots to the World Trade Organization, demonstrations to protests outside the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Building in South Waterfront. The city has also seen creative demonstrations that attracted national attention, such as eco-terrorist Trey Arrow's 11-day sit-in on a ledge at the U.S. Forest Service Building in downtown Portland to protest logging in the Eagle Creek Wilderness. Remember that one? Uh, that was kind of a, that was interesting in a freak show sort of way, right? In 2015, Greasepeace activists suspended themselves from the St. John's Bridge to block the icebreaker Fenica from traveling to the Alaskan oil fields after repairs at Swan Island. They delayed the ship for nearly two days. Good, strong work there, guys. You really botched that one up. Two days. All right, we're two days behind schedule. Let's go. But the 100 days of direct action demonstrations and protests following George Floyd's death set a new standard for longevity. The thousands of people who took to the streets and the diversity of those who came together, including the so-called Wall of Moms. Now, I did see the Wall of Moms. They were ridiculous, right? They were ridiculous. It's like you guys, they, they were all kind of scared looking and they're just like, what are we doing here? They looked really out of place, really out of place. Just a bunch of moms. I think that the ones I saw were like all dressed up in white. It's like, what are you guys doing here? You are way out of your league. Just some moms hopping on the bandwagon. Oh, isn't this cute? This is great. I'm just happy to see them because I think we had to change the narrative, said Tony or said Judy Thodos in July of 2020. That is when I was there in Portland uh, witnessing the uh, protests. I'm getting calls from friends around the country and they think the city's on fire or something. It literally was. It literally was. So when you say the city's on fire, it was. They were burning up statues. They were trying to burn federal buildings. I mean... And just fire, fire, fire. We had a little protest here in Bellevue last night. And, um, you know, there's some good footage of it. It wasn't a very fierce protest. I mean, it was, uh, if I were to rate it from a one to 10, I would give it a solid three and a half as far as protest and protest effectiveness. It was really weak. You guys need to ramp up your game. You guys are, I think they're getting rusty. I really do. Plus, Bellevue was up their ass with police officers. <laughs> it was pretty impressive. Um, but the one thing that I thought was interesting that I will, I just shared on another podcast, but um, the I got video from somebody that had friends that were there and they're like, oh, look at this. Um, the You could hear in the background in one of the videos I got was from Bellevue police over the, the PA system 
Lighting objects on fire is not protected by your First Amendment rights. How direct is that? Hey, you can't set stuff on fire. It's not protected. Guess what? You might think that this whole protest thing is protected by the First Amendment, but burning an American flag is not. Lighting objects on fire is not protected by your First Amendment rights. How much more clear could you be? So I think one person got arrested, but overall, you know, a three and a half star protest out of 10. And if it was on a scale of one to five, I'd give it a two. You get a point for just showing up, right? Then you get a point for remembering your chance because, you know, those are hard. Um, but beyond that, just not a lot going on. So the unrest took over a small part of Portland night after night. Um, yeah, it was downtown by the federal buildings and the justice building, I think is what they call it. Clashes between law enforcement and protesters caught the attention of much of the nation, including the White House. Yeah, Trump wanted to send in the feds. Yeah, I kind of did too. Hey, clear those knuckleheads out. The Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Justice are announcing a joint operation center to investigate the violent left-wing civil unrest, President Donald Trump said. And again, in Portland alone, the federal government has already taken care of and arrested 100 rioters, and they let out 99 of them. I don't know. But they're, uh, you know, in these liberal West Coast cities, we're not prosecuting anybody. You might arrest people, but they're not getting prosecuted. They're just like, ah, sorry for the interruption to your protesting day. We hope you do better next time. Try not to use that hammer anymore in the glass. It tends to break. Um, If people are showing up and saying, stop killing us, they're not really doing that, though. So if people are showing up and saying, stop killing us, you don't attack them with tear gas and rubber bullets and chemical agents. No, you don't. But when they're trying to burn up and tear into a federal building, when they are trying to hit a federal officer in the head with a big ass hammer, well, that's when you use tear gas, rubber bullets, and chemical agents after you've told them to clear out multiple, multiple times. That's the message that nobody seems to be getting here, right? You don't ride around in minivans and red in cars and vehicles and throw them in the back of it. No, you don't. But when they break the law, you might. How simple is that? Cause and effect. But this this is what you get in the media. You don't ride around in minivans and rented cars and vehicles and throw them in the back of it. Well, that's not what happened, was it? That's not what happened. I've covered that so many times. Just ridiculous. People were up. You know, I went down there. I talked to a cop, and this is like the first ten minutes. We're on the we're on the we're on the path of chasing down the protesters. My son and I. And uh, so I walked up to a cop out. There was a bunch of them uh, outside of the uh, justice building where the, you got the jail. It's these big, huge. Um, high-rise buildings. And I said, hey, hearing a lot of stories, what's the deal with the unmarked vans? And he's like, you see that building there? I'm like, yeah. Well, that's filled with fed- feds. I'm like, okay. They can look down and see, and they've got cameras. And when people come and do illegal things against the building, they tend to take offense to that, and they will chase them down, and they will question them. That's what's going on. Sometimes they pull them into an unmarked car so they don't cause a big scene, and then they let them out later. So they have every right to do that. They have every right to detain people breaking the law. It's called the law. All right. So Don't Shoot Portland organized many of the demonstrations following George Floyd's death. Rayford also co-founded the Wall of Moms. Both organizations sued the DHS over the federal response to the unrest in Portland. 
I got tear gassed in Portland. It wasn't that bad. You guys just need to suck it up. I don't think that any riot that happened in Portland happened because protesters said, let's go riot, said Rayford. I think the riot ensued because of the response from the city and the federal agencies. And again, that's why we take it to the courts. Uh, what? No. The city and the federal agencies, they are basically just trying to, de you know, basically defend their buildings. We don't want to let you knuckleheads just, you know, willy nilly take it over. So we're not going to go out with the f without a fight. That's the pushback. But, you know, it's like, oh, we, we've got this. Uh, it's, it's because of the feds and it's because of the city officials that this is all happening. Just logic that is completely lacking. The lawsuit is still pending, though Rayford said it will not likely move forward since there is a new administration leading the country. But the issue of violent demonstrations or riots is again front and center as property damage adds up and businesses struggle to survive during the COVID-19 pandemic. So this message is getting, uh, it's like, uh, what, are you, what, what are you guys protesting for? I know you've been at it for a year, but what are, what are you protesting for? Because it's not, it's not ultimately clear. I mean, that hammer going through the glass window, that's clear. Uh, I think they're tearing down our community and they're teaching our kids wrong, said Northeast Portland resident Lady Leo. Look at these kids. These kids done grew up in this community. Now they can't even sit down and eat a piece of chicken because they're torn up the damn store. All right. I, I'm just going to leave that one alone. I don't even know where that's going, but I mean, it sounds like somebody's upset and chicken and kids sitting down and some bad examples and tearing up the damn store. Those who have been arrested and charged with the destruction are mostly young and mostly white. The Black Lives Matter message has been drowned out by the mayhem. So who is responsible? That's the big question. And that's why I went down there just to kind of see what is the deal here? Is this really a racial injustice thing? Or is this just basically anarchy? It was anarchy with a little bit of racial injustice thrown in just a smidge, just enough to justify their existence, right? and to justify their First Amendment rights. What we need to say first is, who are we talking about? When we say BLM, when we say Antifa, those are not the same things, said Witten. Yeah, and yet they've been lumped together. And um, I think BLM tries to distance itself from Antifa, but Antifa wants to, you know, put itself in with BLM because one relationship works well, the other, not so much. Do you know what I mean? I, I think everybody kind of understands that. I think everybody gets the gist of that. The general public, probably not so much. They're like, ah, I don't really understand any of this. Just don't come to my neighborhood. We'll be okay. There's a global pandemic. And in Portland, we've had over 40 shootings in the summer times and several homicides. Several. Man, you've had a lot. And people still ask me questions about broken windows, said Rayford. Yeah, they do. Because it's illegal to have windows broken out. And this is ongoing. This is one of the threads of why Portland is not recovering, nor will it while this is going on. That other issue is a separate issue. The issue of the, the just wildly, wild abandoned violence in downtown, that's another one that's pretty significant as well. We couldn't even get any police response to our families that watch their children get murdered outside their homes. Well, that's what happens when you defund the police and you don't have enough cops on the streets to answer 911 calls. Hmm. Right? I mean, am I missing something here? And we've been talking about that forever, that when you defund the police, 
the communities it's going to have the most impact on, you got it, communities of color. So Portland's protest culture is rooted in issues from race to deadly police interactions to war that have plagued communities for generations. The reaction to the murder of George Floyd and others is just the latest example of Portland leading the nation by example. What example is that? Because that is what's largely getting lost in the message. It's just unclear. It's really unclear. We see people in positions of power that want to silence us, and we have to do whatever we can to not be silenced, Witten said. I don't think anybody is trying to silence you. It's just that if you were just verbally, if you were just verbally, you know, announcing your position peacefully on the sidewalk, holding some signs, I think people would be okay with that. I would be okay with that. It's when you go on these rampages of violence, I'm not okay with. That's where I tend to draw the line. And we've tried to convince everybody that the, the protests are peaceful. They're not peaceful. The one we had last night in Bellevue, it was peaceful. But you had an armada of cops and private security on bikes just following the protesters, right? I mean, that's that's what needs to happen. But like Seattle and Portland, they don't have enough cops to cover the entire city. So they can't just you know, have massive police presence, these things, they've got other stuff going on. And they, they're just undermanned. And you've defunded the police here in Bellevue, we didn't defund the police. That's not that's not the direction we're going, right? We see people in positions of power that want to silence us. And we have to do whatever we can to not be silenced. Well, that includes breaking windows, doing some store looting, hey, go get yours, man, it's open, go for it. Now, those pesky security cameras, those are getting a lot of people in trouble. You know, everybody's got security cameras these days. I've got a bunch. I've probably got, I don't know, eight between office, office, boat, house, you know, just you got a lot of security. Somebody, you know, wants to come break my windows, go for it. I'm going to see you. I'll see who you are one way or the other. So the struggle continues. That's kind of how we're ending here. Uh, yeah, the struggle does end. And for me, it's a matter of identifying, all right, if you are peacefully protesting, that is your right to do so. However, when it steps over, just barely steps beyond that line, I'm not okay with it. And you should be thrown in jail. That's kind of how I see it. And I think that's where city of Portland is headed, because they can't keep having these protests going on forever, especially when they end up oftentimes in, you know, bashing out windows, tagging up graffiti, confrontations. I mean, last summer, we had a guy from Antifa go up and kill a uh, just, you know, shot him in cold blood. I think was it a Trump supporter? Was it a uh, one of the right wing groups had a, you know, they had their own protest in Portland. They were, you know, causing, uh, they were gathering peacefully, holding up their signs. Guy from Antifa went up, capped him, shot him dead. And, uh, and then he went on the lamb. He went in, into Southern Washington here. Yeah. And uh, task force got him and killed him. So, this is not just some peaceful protesting and not people in positions of power that want to silence you. It's when you break the law, they're going to drop the hammer. That's what we've got going. And the struggle continues. The struggle continues from both the, the political leaders, from all those businesses, all those business owners, 
all that glass, all those buildings that are boarded up, the garbage on the sidewalks, people shooting up on the sidewalks, just, you know, all this stuff. The struggle continues for Portland. So I think we've got maybe another three of these. Uh, is that the third one? I can't remember. But um, yeah, this is the second one from Coin uh, out of Portland. And um, I think we've got a handful more. So I think these are great. These are great news stories. And you can check out the videos online and Coin K-O-I-N and uh, see what they've got going on. But this is kind of a deep dive into what's going on in Portland. And what's going on in Portland is just basically on steroids from a lot of what's going on in other West Coast cities like Seattle and LA and you know, all these other places that are that have got this protesting going on, and people can't really figure out what are the protests really about. But as these struggles continue, I'll bring them to you right here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. All right, thanks so much for being here. Stay safe, and I'll see you guys soon. Talk then. Bye for now. to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.